guys, I'm Danny, and thanks for tuning in to The Grown Up Hustle. This podcast is based on real people sharing all their different journeys as they navigate this crazy ride called adulting. From coffee o'clock to wine o'clock and all that happens in between, we're here to openly discuss how we're all just really hustling our way through life. So if you're ready for the highs, the lows, and a whole lot of real talk, then stay tuned because we've got you covered. Hello, people. How are we all? I hope you're all having a great week. Uh, Apologies for the show dropping a day late. I haven't announced it yet on my Instagram or any of my other socials, which, to be honest, I don't really use. They're just linked to my Instagram. But um, I am going to be making some changes to the show's drop dates. Generally, I drop on a Wednesday and that show drops every Wednesday for the whole season. But I've decided that I'm going to change my drop date now to a Thursday. And for the next couple of months, I'm going to be changing the show from weekly to bi-monthly. Really, really just swamped at the moment with work. And um, a few of the shows that I produce, uh, they drop on a Wednesday which means it's a lot to try and drop everyone else's show and mine on the same day. And also, if I'm being 100% honest, it's summertime. It is a really busy time of year for socialising, but it's also a really busy time of year for work because people want to get stuff launched ready for the autumn and winter. So I will go back to weekly drops, but just for the next couple of months at least, it's going to be going bi-monthly. So for anyone who isn't already um, following make sure you follow because I appreciate it. But um, if you are not already following, just to give you a heads up, the shows will be dropping now on a Thursday GMT time and they will be every other week. So now we've got that out the way. This week, I've put myself in the limelight quite uncomfortably. Generally, I get my guests on and they're the ones that are putting themselves in the limelight and being slightly vulnerable But I felt like I was actually a perfect candidate for myself to do um, a show on this week. So this week we're talking about grey area drinking. I did put a poll out on Instagram asking people what sort of topics they wanted to hear. And yeah, everyone said, you know, real raw talk, gritty talk, things that people struggle with every single day, maybe just don't feel comfortable talking about. But one of the big, big things was drinking. I discovered a term this year called grey area drinking, and it's not a term that I'd ever heard of before. On season one, I had Dave Wilson on talking about his journey with alcohol. It was actually the first episode that I dropped. And Dave and I are good friends and also work colleagues. And I I produced Dave's show, One for the Road. Dave is a sobriety coach and he's also a grey area drinking coach. And since becoming closer to Dave, I've learned a lot more on the topic of grey area drinking and actually thought, you know what, I fall under that category. And so do so many of you listeners that actually messaged into me. And I thought now coming out of lockdown, the way that people's relationships with alcohol has changed is having quite a big effect on so many of us because we might not fit into that stereotypical idea of someone that has an issue with alcohol, but we're also quite aware that we've got a strange relationship with alcohol and perhaps we know that we drink too much, we use it as a coping mechanism, we might feel guilty for how frequently we drink or the quantity of alcohol we drink. And I really am a prime candidate for this. I fall into this category massively that I do drink too much. So I might not get drunk, but I drink far too frequently. And I have changed up my relationship with alcohol a lot this year. Uh, Going into the start of the year, as I do say on this show, I was drinking quite heavily. Lockdown really, really changed my relationship with alcohol in a big, big way for the quantity that I was drinking. And now, since the start of this year, I have had to address my relationship with alcohol and cut back. Do I still drink too frequently? Yeah. 
definitely. But it was good for me to actually address and analyze the situation and shine a little bit of light on it and also have a label for what category I fall into. So if you're like me and you do consume quite a lot of wine, you consume wine more frequently than you would like or whatever alcohol it might be for me, it tends to be wine, then I think this is definitely the episode for you. And I really do hope that you guys who are listening today can take something from this. So, as I always say, on that note, let's get myself and Dave onto the show today. So, hey Dave, how are you going today? I'm fine, thank you very much. Just taking a big gulp of water there. Nice having you back on the show. So, I wanted to get you on today. Um, Obviously, you and I connected going back last year. I don't actually even remember how I came across you whether you came up on my feed or a search for you and over that time now we've obviously recorded together you were on the first season of Grown Up Pestle discussing your story and since then you've gone on to set up your own podcast which has been a huge success Um, I'm obviously the producer of your show so I've heard a lot and worked a lot with you and the people that you're working with and listening to their stories. Our first chat inspired my attitude and my change in drinking and alcohol awareness and I usually get my guests on to put themselves out there but for a change I thought I would put myself out there and since we're such good friends you were the best person that I could think of to have this discussion with me. So we're going to talk a lot about grey area drinking and what that actually is and what it means. Are you looking very nervous? Well, yeah, you know, I'm putting myself out on the line here and I am nervous. So honestly, I've, I've always, if I go right the way back to, say, my teenagers, obviously I dabbled with drinking, everyone kind of does, but I didn't really like drinking and I didn't enjoy the effects of it. So I abstained from drinking then for probably the late part of my teens and early 20s. But then as time went on, I met wine and me and wine became very good friends. And we've probably been too good of friends, if I'm being honest, over the past 15 to 18 years of my life. So I've always been a wine drinker and I've always drunk probably more wine than I should on a weekly basis. But I always felt like my drinking was under control and I wouldn't have ever said that I had a particular issue with alcohol until I connected with you and you made me reevaluate my my relationship with alcohol. So I was always known as the girl who drinks red wine it's become a bit of a joke I've usually got a glass of red wine in my hand it's a quite a big joke amongst my friends I mean even if you look at my podcast cover I've got a glass of red wine in my hand you know it's it's kind of a, become a bit of my trademark and I would say that I've always drunk like I said too much wine but in the past couple of years I started getting onto spirits and whiskey and then during lockdown my relationship with alcohol massively changed so uh, you talk a lot about it on your shows. You did discuss it on the show that you did with me in season one, but people were during lockdown starting to drink a lot earlier, myself included. And it wasn't until I would say probably towards the end of last year that I realized that it was becoming a bit of an issue. I'd started drinking whiskey as well as wine. And I had gone from maybe having a couple of glasses of wine a night, let's say, to doing a bottle of wine a night and then maybe a couple of double whiskeys and I wasn't drunk as such I mean obviously I was aware that I'd drunk but I wasn't drunk as such so I didn't really think I had an issue but I also wasn't functioning very well working from home out of lockdown consuming too much alcohol it was affecting my sleep it was affecting my body composition it was affecting my health it was affecting my mood and it was after connecting with you that I thought, right, I think it's time to, to do something about this. I've become a lot more aware of diff- of drinking and of different relationships that people have with alcohol. So I spoke to my listeners and I, I asked them actually what topics they would like to discuss. And this one came up quite a lot. You know, a lot of my listeners are women. So I, I, I asked a lot of them as to what they would describe someone who maybe has an issue with alcohol looks like to them and they said the same sort of thing as you maybe drinking early in the morning blind drunk on a park bench you know in in a bad way and actually the the words that you said that described where alcohol starts to become a problem and and you said it's not 
having the issue with the alcohol. It's when the alcohol is causing issues with your daily life. So yeah, let's let's chat more about that. Yeah, I mean, the stereotypical opinion of a lot of people that don't really know about it is, and I was the same when I was drinking you know, um, an alcoholic, what, what is your version of an alcoholic? Is it someone homeless swigging out of a brown bag or mm. as you say, drinking for breakfast, but alcohol is an extremely addictive drug that is literally everywhere you look, uh, advertising TV, you know, you talk about lockdown, right? But, um, as soon as we went into lockdown, there was that new app called house party. It was mainly women on there at four o'clock in the afternoon all getting pissed basically yeah um and at the end of the day it was like a big holiday at the beginning wasn't it you know it was all signed off work and, we, and the sun was out wasn't it it was like really really hot spring summer and i could kind of understand it i'm not one of those people that go oh you naughty you shouldn't be drinking you know like i, I do get it you know i'm not the wine police but what i try and do myself is share the knowledge that i have about it so when I started learning about grey air drinking, it was certainly something that I wasn't because I I was drinking a litre of vodka a night or three bottles of wine a night or even sometimes four, which is a box, right? I would have a three litre box of wine and by the end of the night, I don't know how I was still conscious, but I'd be squeezing the bag into a glass and then I would just pass out, right? And that's certainly not grey air drinking. So grey air drinking is between the two extremes. So it's like my wife, Em, she can take or leave a drink. You know, she, it doesn't bother her or she can mm. have one glass and not have one for another week. So it's in between that and reaching a rock bottom or you need medical assistance with withdrawal. So there's a f big bracket in between. And I think you know yourself that I hate the word alcoholic. Mm. Um, it's a label and um, I don't like to use it myself. Everyone's different, but you're a human being. And alcohol is designed to get you addicted, you know. And if it was invented today, it would be banned straight away. And, you know, the lockdown thing, we had so much more time on our hands. And I will say that my inquiries during lockdown just went up and up and up the longer lockdown went. Because I hope the guys listening to that, this don't get offended. But in general, they're the last to admit they got a problem. Because they'd be saying things like, I only have a few beers with the lads, the football's on tonight, I've had a bloody hard day, I've been grafting all day, I need a cold beer and all whatever. But in general, the women are the ones that think about it more and it affects their day, it affects their parenting, you know. Mm. Um, and in the morning, they don't want to feel like, where men just work it off, where women think about it more. So I was getting a lot more inquiries saying to me, you know, can I talk to you because I feel like I'm drinking too much. And what you said before, it's not the quantity that makes it an issue. It's how it affects your life. Yeah, definitely. You know? I mean, a friend of mine, she was in a relationship. She'll know when she listens to this, which friend she is, but she was in a relationship with someone he was an incredible guy, lovely, lovely bloke, highly intelligent, brilliant job. He had everything going for him. He would have made an incredible life partner. But he was a massive binge drinker and he would binge drink to the point of ridiculousness. He wouldn't know where he'd been. He would leave his wallet in the bar. You know, he would get himself into all sorts of states. And she would be worried when he went out with his friends as to his whereabouts. You know, when he he maybe couldn't even account for his whereabouts. And she time and time again kept saying to him, you know, everything in our life is perfect except for this. And he'd say, but I don't drink Monday to Friday. And she'd say, yes, but when you do drink, you go hell for leather to the point of, of dangerous. You know, it's crazy. And as much as he loved her, and he really did love her, he could not stop drinking. And that is someone who is struggling with an alcohol issue. But he did not want to admit it. And he thought because he didn't drink every day that he didn't have an issue. Yeah, so that's it's a, a fine line. story, actually. And there's not many people, really, that can stop during the week. And I'll give you an example, right? So say you start on a Friday, you haven't drank all week, and you think, right, OK, I've worked hard, I've been successful or not. I'm going to have a good drink because I've been really good in the week. So you have a good old drink up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? And then you wake up Monday morning feeling like hell, Think, right, I'm not drinking all week. Monday is okay. Tuesday is all right-ish. Wednesday, you think, hmm, friends are going out for a drink after work tonight, but I'm not drinking. So I go, Sean, I go, 
or oh I've had two days off now maybe I should have one tonight I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll ring the wife and see if uh, she fancies a glass of wine you drink Wednesday Thursday comes and you're like oh well I blew it last night I might as well start again next week you know and that's the general way it goes uh, and I posted like that on my Instagram and everyone's like oh my god that is so me so it's always hard to moderate when you've got an issue with drink because it's almost like the default setting you've got to unwind, to relax. Yeah. And it's all like, so, and there's a million ways to justify it because you could have a boring day at work and you're like, ah, oh, do you know what the sun's at? Let's sit in the garden and have a glass of wine. Or I've had a terrible day. I've just received a stressful email. I've had a really good day. Let's celebrate. You know, there's a million ways yeah. to justify it. And because it relaxes you really quickly. You get that dopamine spike straight away. There's not many things in life that you can do to get mm. that. That's what encourages you to do it. Do you know what I mean? So, But a lot of it is routine as well. Like for me, if I'm being honest, uh, you know yourself, I've got my office at home. I work hard all day. And I will. It'll be about 4, 4.30. And I think, oh, can't wait to go out to the kitchen and open a bottle of wine and a lot someone once described it to me with cocaine and they said they, they were saying that, that, that the cocaine didn't have any effect on them anymore so I said well why, why are you still taking it because it's bloody expensive and it's no good for you and they said I really like the the routine I like to get the bag I like to put it out I yeah. like to chop it up into lines I like the routine of it they were like actually when I take the cocaine it's it's neither here nor there but they like the routine and I think a lot of women especially like the routine of Oh, I'm going to open the bottle and get the glass out. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a book out called Atomic Habits by James Clear, right? And it goes on about the habit loop. And that's part of it, right? Because the first part of that is the cue. So it's when you're going through your day, like you'll be editing my podcast. Pulling I you will. Around. And you would think, ironically, when I'm editing a podcast of someone talking about a struggle with alcohol, yeah. then I wouldn't think about having a glass of wine. But yeah, it's still that yeah. deeply ingrained in me, like habitually. Well, yeah, when you look at it, though, if you drink, if you're talking about alcohol all the time, it's going to have a subliminal effect in your mind, right? But anyway, um, what I'm saying is there's a part of the day. So if you was editing my podcast in the morning at nine, you're not going to think, oh, do you know what? When I do this, I'm going to have a bottle of wine. So mm. the habit does come into it, right? But then there's the cue. So the cue would be, say you started drinking at, say, five or six. An hour before that, you were already sort of building up to that, oh, I can have a glass of wine at six. And that's where your mind starts to mm. run right with you and you start to look forward to it and that. And what happened in the lockdown was those times got earlier and earlier and earlier because people started to do the Zooms and they started to work from home, doing emails, and they thought, well, I haven't got any more calls today. It's really hot out. Let's have a glass of wine with lunch, right? And then after that, oh, I'll have another glass of wine. And <laughs> there were some people that would normally drink seven, eight at night, and they're drinking at two in the afternoon, and it become a habit. Myself included in that, if I'm being honest. I mean, it. Uh, I like, I do like whiskey. I like neat whiskey. That's what I drink. And my husband is not a drinker by any stretch of the word. He may like, um, you know, he may have a whiskey if we went out for a meal or a glass of wine. And that is it. And if you said to my husband, you could never, ever touch a drop of alcohol again, it wouldn't even, if you said that to me, I'd probably have a breakdown. But to him, it wouldn't even register. It's But he smokes while well, he vapes now. But so to me, he was saying to me, you know, you're drinking, a, say, a bottle of whiskey every week and a half, two weeks. He was like, fair enough, but you're putting that on top of the bottle of wine every night. You're not functioning to your best ability. You're feeling crappy. I mean, I'll be honest, during lockdown, I would go to bed and I, as much as I didn't feel drunk, would definitely be under the effects massively of what I'd consumed because I would wake up, feel a bit like off sorts and just you know, get up to go to the toilet and be sat on the toilet having a wee, just thinking, geez, I've definitely drank too much again tonight. I'm not going to do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come and I would do exactly the same. It took, it, it literally took talking to you just to snap me out of it. And I completely, look, don't get me wrong, I do still drink and I might have one or two glasses of wine a night and I definitely still drink too frequently. The quantity I I drink has massively changed and I can go now, you know, a week or so without drinking, but do I still think I fall into the area, into the grey area drinking category? Yeah, I do. A lot of us do. 
Yeah, you, you do, definitely. And, you know, grey area drinkers can go days without drinking and they don't have to binge. But quite often they say it's affecting their life, you know, and it's also hard to stay stopped as well. Mm. So that's another sign that you're grey area drinking. And um, that's why when I people say, oh, I just want to moderate, in general, that's almost impossible if you're drinking like that. You know, it's all it's almost all or nothing because I, I've helped people give up drinking after three months or six months. They've said to me, oh, do you know what? I've, I think I've cracked it and I think I can moderate now. So I'm going to have a glass of wine on Saturday. And it's like, don't, just don't because... I relate it to like a relationship. You said a relationship with alcohol earlier and it is like a relationship. So when you're younger, you meet alcohol and like a normal relationship and you fall in love and you're always in bed at the weekends and going out on holiday and stuff. And it's great, exciting, isn't it? Mm. Then you move in together and then gradually you get used to each other's ways and then things start to change. And that's what happens with alcohol, right? It starts to dominate your life and then you feel uncomfortable because you know it's got a hold over you. And gradually you think, God, I don't know how to get out of this relationship because I don't know what's out there without this. How can I live my life without this in my life? And it's like having an abusive partner. You know, you stick with them because it's too uncomfortable to think of life without them. One day you think, right, okay, I'm going to try this. And then you've got a few days on your own and then Friday night comes, which might be your favourite night to drink. You're sitting there twiddling your thumbs and that, and then all of a sudden there's a little knock on the door. And you do you open that door or not? You know it's him. Do you let him in? You spend the night together, wake up in the morning, roll over, and you go, oh, my God, what have I done? And, you know, so a lot of it is about mindset. And, and you know, in general, when people start to question their own drinking, that is the beginning of doing something about it, you know. And uh, that's when they come to me. They have a discovery call. And we, we talk about things, you know, and, and there are so many ways around helping because say, for instance, you gave up drinking now and you hadn't come across me, you would just stop drinking and then you'd be biting your nails every night, watching stuff on Netflix and thinking, well, this is torture. And by the weekend, you'd be, I can't do this. But there are so many ways to help yourself when you stop drinking for me something that really did help me and I appreciate it doesn't work for everyone but something that really helped me was alcohol-free drinks because a lot of it like I said was habitual so I found a really great alcohol completely not even low alcohol alcohol-free sparkling wine and that was how I knew that I needed to completely step away that that there was no option there for me after after sort of Christmas had passed I thought this is getting too much so I thought right I need to completely step away and I knew if I'm being honest that I would never fully break that relationship with alcohol because I have gone back to drinking but I did feel better that I had cut down drinking and maybe one day I will be brave enough to take that step completely I don't know but I did find that having a crutch there if that makes sense that was something that worked for me massively and I could still do my my routine if you like and I could still have my wine glass with dinner but it would be alcohol free I don't drink alcohol strangely for the effect of the alcohol I drink it because it's my habit it's what I do I bet actually you do drink it for the effect because if you was to really knuckle down on it it does help to relax you. And so if you mm. didn't drink it for the effect, you would just give up. Your husband doesn't really drink it for the effect because mm, he can take it and leave it, right? Yeah. So, but alcohol drinks is like a sticky area because AA, they go mad with them. They're like, it's like if you go into a barber shop, um, many times you're going to want your hair cut. You know, it's like that sort of thing. They, they are strictly against it. With me... I think, do you know what? If you're okay, it can really help. It can mm. give you a slight placebo. But also, I think when you're giving up at the beginning, you should like, so you were just replacing a drink. But if you're trying to give up, I wouldn't recommend them at the beginning at all because it's. Even for a grey area drinker? No, I don't think so. Like, okay. I, so I normally say to people, let's start with 30 days, right? Because you can start to work on the habit. So generally I call them open hours where you would have a drink. So say your opening hours are six. So from half five, maybe up until say yours was six till half eight, nine, 
that is the time you would either go to the gym or in the summer you could do the 5k sofa to 5k app and and just go out walk the dog get out because another thing is as well is location right so if you're in your house and you're sitting there where you would normally drink or you're in the kitchen preparing food and the fridge is there psychologically your mind's going to be going I want a glass of wine, I want a glass of wine. But if you remove yourself from that environment, it does make it a lot easier, you know. So keep mm. active movement or go to some yoga classes. That's really, really good for you. All the INGs, right? Swimming, painting. No, it sounds mad. Knitting. I mean, Tom Daly is taking up knitting, isn't he? Yeah, I saw that. Right? <laughs> but not not all the bad ones like smoking and drinking. You know, a lot of the INGs, like keeping busy, it is really, really good for the mind because you're preoccupying yourself, you know? Do you believe, so I said this to my grandmother, and this is, this is quite an interesting topic, I think. So I believe that I come from a family of quite addictive characters and when I said that to my grandmother anytime I say that to my grandmother actually she hits the roof um mostly I think she doesn't want to admit it so every except for my mum although I think she's definitely addicted to cleaning and has like OCD and it's a control freak bless her so so maybe that's her addiction but if I look at our family we are a family of drinkers smokers drug takers gamblers to the nth degree everyone seems to have highly addictive personality traits and do you think that that is a genetic thing or do you think I had this argument with my aunt who's actually um fully recovered she works now uh she she's clean and um sober and she works with ex-drug users and and people who who sort of struggled with with alcohol and she said I don't think it's an addictive personality trait I think everyone's got it in them and I was like I'm not sure because it seems to really be much stronger in some families than than in others I believe it's genetic definitely but I also believe it's what you've grown up with as well so say for instance I was working with an Irish guy right and he said his whole generational thing was drinking you know everyone in the family drinks so when you're grown up as a kid and that's all you see around you then that's what you're, you're growing up to see, isn't it? And, and you know, I've heard some awful things where a two-year-old has been given a sip of bloody brandy to help him sleep and stuff like that. That's in the old days, isn't it? We're in their yeah. milk and whatever. But I do believe it's genetic. Um, I've just had a DNA test done and not the ones where you find out who your ancestors are. It, it's your actual genetics inside. So it's worked out everything. Oh, tell me more about this. What's yeah, this all about? Uh, I haven't even heard of it. I, I'm deficient in uh, my B vitamin. So I'm really low on vitamin D and really low on my Bs as well. This is an interesting one that my dopamine levels are very, very short lived. So where I might have a drink and I get that spike of dopamine, you know, mm. the reward. Five minutes later, that dopamine's gone down again and I want another one. Where my wife, she might have a drink and that glass of wine, the last one an hour and she feels relaxed and good and whatever. I'm always chasing that dopamine here. And that test can show you that? That test shows everything. Um, oh, I had it done a month ago and um, I... I think soon I'm going to have a link on my bio that you can apply for it. And I think um, I'm getting a discount code as well. But it was fascinating. And and uh, it was just done by a swab in my mouth. Uh, and then when the results come through, they email you, but they give you an hour, an hour Zoom as well. Talk about everything that's, you know, it does your gut health, your serotonin levels. I'm really low on serotonin. Do you think then if you're low on serotonin, which is obviously the happy hormone, and I had this discussion yesterday with someone, they said to me that they don't believe in mental health. And I was like, okay, <laughs> explain. I said, because scientifically proven mental health is, is a very real illness or illnesses. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, and they gave me their reasons why, which, you know, for me, I'm, I'm all up for confirmation bias and a good discussion, but it just didn't hold up. And I said, well, you know, with serotonin, that's obviously the happy hormone. And if your serotonin is low, you would then have like, a, you know, would take medicine to increase your serotonin levels, i.e. antidepressants. Yeah. Do you think that because your serotonin was low, you were trying to search maybe subconsciously for things that would lift that happy hormone up for you? Because a yeah. lot of people, if you look at mummy wine culture, a lot of, a lot of women are 
actually suffering with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting medical treatment for a mental health issue, they yeah. are masking it by drinking wine. Yeah, and, and alcohol is a depressant, isn't it? So it gives you that initial high. But after that, we all know about the three o'clock wake up when you're laying there wide awake and you're anxious mm -hmm. and worrying about the next day. And that's all your neurotransmitters being out of balance. And in the morning, you, you're really depressed and you're down. They're all out of whack. And that's where I help as well. So when people come to me, we don't just talk about the drinking and the triggers and the cravings and techniques to stop them. We talk about balancing out the neurotransmitters like GABA, serotonin, dopamine. And we do that with nutrients, um, eating, activities there's an acronym actually called nourish okay. um and n is notice nature so being out in nature grounding is incredible for anyone whether you drink or not you know yeah. walking on grass in bare feet is really really good for you that i oh, observe your breath so breath work i did some breath work last week with josh Conley. oh i saw i do a lot of breath work in a, in yeah, a meditation group how good is when it I can really lower your anxiety because when you're depleted with gaba especially you feel really really anxious so when you're giving mm. up drinking you've got the anxiety of not drinking and thinking oh how am i meant to calm that down tonight but also you're depleted anyway so stuff like meditation yoga but healthy eating, you know, broccoli is incredible. Almonds, chicken, turkey, you know, all things like nuts are really good for you. But breath work and then the you uniting with others. So hugs, you know, we couldn't do that in lockdown. But connection. Connection, We're talking yeah. about connection. Because Johan Hari's done a TED talk and it's the opposite of addiction is connection, you know, and it is feeling connected with people that can really help. There are replenish with nutrition so you know a lot of people struggle with their eating when they drink and that so regular eating is really good for the blood sugar levels and that helps you with your cravings so people think do you know what i'm not hungry i'm not drinking now i don't know what to do but if you eat small meals regularly throughout the day and like have a snack at night an hour before you go to bed like a handful of almonds or whatever like that that really really help you things like that people don't know about you know um initiate movement so exercise you know what you feel like if you've been to the gym or whatever yeah hit, hit exercise you know that can raise up your dopamine levels serotonin or you can do things like mindfulness as we said before breath work and stuff s sit with stillness you know just sit there and think you have to sit with your feelings allow yourself to think and feel that's the hardest thing ever sit with those feelings you know but if it's too much for you just leap out and go for a run because sometimes in the beginning it can be you know because mm. you're not used to it we we blunt mm. our emotions with the booze don't we massively and then harness your activities so the ings gardening painting knitting there's another one but we won't go into that <laughs> yeah. it's all right there's an 18 yeah. uh, 18 yeah, rating on and, the show <laughs> Yeah, but not the negatives like overeating, drinking, smoking. Do you know what I mean? Because that mm. depletes everything. So you don't want to, you know, people go on about the craving for sugar when you don't drink, which we all have because we lack in the sugar and the alcohol. But you don't want to get into another addiction. Of Bad, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there are ways around that as well. But, you know, you've got to give yourself a break in the beginning. And if you're eating a bloody whole bar of galaxy, don't beat yourself up too much because at least you're not drinking, you know. I just think that, like, for me, at the start of the year, when I decided I really just needed to take a step back from everything, I did. I'm a massive, massive yoga fan I absolutely live for yoga so I did push myself to do a lot of yoga and I was doing online classes because obviously we couldn't couldn't go to classes back then we were in lockdown I joined a meditation group I was trying to connect with other people because I think that was quite a hard thing for a lot of us in lockdown and a lot of us now have almost forgotten how to connect with people because it's yeah. been so long and you know the only person I was really seeing was was my husband and you know doing food deliveries to the family so you you you, you didn't see anyone you didn't connect with strangers and it was a way to connect with others even if it was remotely and I mean that's the whole thing with the podcast as well for me but it was having to completely change things up I still don't think I fully got there because I piss myself off daily you know me you know me very well we talk regularly I go to the gym five days a week I train hard, but I know 
that if I gave up those couple of glasses of wine every night, which I justify, by the way, as it's okay because the WHO says that it's okay to have two glasses. It's not okay, really. It's not okay because I can't not have them. But consider I've cut down from where I was. But I do piss myself off because I think if I could not drink those, I'd probably be even slimmer and in even better shape. But it's that, oh, it's like this horrible pull that it has over me. It's, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, but the thing is, it's not all about the external side of things, is it? It's the internal, mm. right? And a lot of people don't think about that. And it, and it's like actually two glasses of wine or double your allocated units for the week. Well, you get things like um, fatty liver. My my mum has got non-alcoholic fatty liver. Uh, it's a genetic sort of disorder yeah. that, that she suffers with. I'd never even heard about that until my mum got diagnosed. And my mum found it really frustrating because she's not a big drinker. and nobody believed her so she was saying you know no I, I don't you know I'm not a big drinker so I don't understand why I've got this and she said it was really frustrating the doctors were like mm. and she was like no like really and she's like oh this is awful she said I feel like nobody's believing me but then I was like well what's the difference between non-alcoholic fatty liver and fatty liver fatty liver is fatty liver and it's really not good the only good thing you can do is by stopping drinking your liver can repair itself unlike a lot of your other organs it, it can unless it's gone past the second past that, stage yeah. i believe you know and when when you've got um scarring that's yes yeah I, I don't know if you saw my instagram the post i did with that video with the twins uh and the doctor where he had uncovered the healthy liver and it looked like a beautiful bit of prime and then he uncovered the one with cirrhosis and it was like a dirty old pork chop and, and it was shocking to see you know it's and scary. that's what i say when you think about the external you look at your face and you think oh god i've got a couple of thread veins on my nose appearing that must be the drink and that that's nothing in comparison and i don't i don't want the listeners of this podcast to be hanging themselves by the end of it you know it's fact you know and um i also I've got another video where this guy used to be in the uh, Marines in the States and that. <laughs> and then he become become um, a mortician bloke. He does post-mortems. And, and he did this video. And it's actually really interesting that he, he goes from where you pour the alcohol into your mouth, from the throat down to where it comes out the other end, and the journey of alcohol and what it does to your body. And it's fascinating. And it really highlights, actually, you think from your mouth down to your midsection is a very small area, really. But the route mm -hmm. it travels, but the damage it can do, you know, in your arteries and that. And when I always love the science of things, you know, so when I read about the science, it just makes me even more think, God, how am I still here? Really, for what I was drinking, you know, I've drank for 40 years. How am I still here? The difference in you now, if I look at pictures of you from back when you were drinking to now you look so much younger now you look so well so healthy and you looked you looked drained that's the only way to describe you looked drained and yeah. quite bloated I mean obviously I know you were bigger because you were drinking but it's that alone before you even think about your insides that alone yeah is enough to make you stop and go wow look at the difference for someone who doesn't drink yeah. alcohol to someone who I know, there was a picture of me at Christmas and it was like one of those magazines, closer magazine or whatever, when someone sees themselves, but they've been done by the pap from four miles. An awful angle, yeah. You know what I mean? And they're coming at the sea and they're like, she's stacked on the pounds or something like that. <laughs> and they all of a sudden have this epiphany, they got to do something about it. And, you know, a month before I gave up, I looked at the picture of me and my face was so bloated. I just, it was awful, you know, mm. and I thought, really, I mean, I'm in my 50s now and I, I was bordering on just having a heart attack, I think, you know. If you'd kept drinking, you wouldn't have been here. There's no I don't way. I don't think I, I would be, you know, so um, it saved my life, but it improved it tenfold. You know, I'm doing so many things now with it. So it's like a rebirth in a way. Like a different person. Yeah. I think that the because of the mummy wine culture, particularly for women and the fact that it's almost like celebrated as mm. a coping mechanism for being a better parent that's why so many women are comfortable drinking 
but actually deep down internally that they're not they're having that that battle of, of guilt because it's like normalized quote unquote yeah. they continue to do it so they're almost stuck in that that cycle and I, that's why i think it's a lot harder for a woman sometimes than a man because women drink wine i don't know why but that just seems to make sense doesn't it and oh it does to me as a woman yeah it makes sense but i also think women talk more no do we you always have a go at me for rambling on my voice notes (laughs) (laughs) you know when i want a one word answer and i look at my thing and it's four minutes 17 seconds i think ah danny's on one um No, no, but um, no, I think, see, I would say 90% of my clients are women, right? Okay, that's interesting. Do you think that's because women feel more comfortable coming to a coach or a therapist? No, well, to be honest, 84% of my followers are women, right? So you've got the 16% that are men are like Mm. curtain twitches because in general, I don't think men want to talk about it because they don't want to stop drinking. You know, it's so, so rare, but I will get DMs from men saying I've got a bit of a problem. And then they, they, because men are sort of, all practically minded, I suppose. They think they can go off and do it themselves and quite often they fail. But women come to me and they, I'm quite easy to talk to. And I think what that allows them to do is have a space where they would find it difficult to have that conversation with their husband or their loved ones or their friends. But once I talk to them and show them another way that actually it isn't their fault, it's how the drug is designed to be to make it addictive. Mm -hmm. So where you was having one or two glasses, went to a bottle, then you was having a couple of whiskeys because your tolerance level was getting Massively. more and more. So when you said earlier you don't drink for the effect, the mere fact you did that is partly effect, right? Because you want to feel relaxed and then stop that chitter chatter in your mind thinking about, oh, I haven't just bloody paid the parking fine and the kid this and you know, all that. And and it's an escape. There's no doubt about that, right? But it's a drug, you know, and a highly I, addictive I, drug. Yeah, a highly addictive. And, highly and addictive. what I do, I don't think I'm the standard coach. I, I, I mean, I did a couple of years training. I wanted to be a counselor and I did two years, but then my mum got ill and died and I just couldn't carry on with it. But mm. I believe that, you know what I say, connection is the opposite of addiction. When you can provide a space for someone to talk about how they feel about their relationship with alcohol, that can really, really help because. Most people bottle it up because of shame. You know, they're embarrassed, they, they feel shame and they, they lose their self-esteem and self-respect and that. So they can tell me and then I encourage them maybe to be strong, be proud about what they're doing. And then most people they talk to say, do you know what? I'm having a, a bit of a health kick, so I'm not drinking for a while. They find that their friend is saying, oh, okay. And then they're inquiring what that means and how are you doing it? Because there's a lot of people who have the same problem, but they don't know where to turn to, you know. I think a lot of people have the same problem and don't understand that. I think they internally understand it's a problem the same way I internally understand that I drank too much. But this this term grey area drinking is only really just becoming more well known. So now I feel this is going to sound quite strange. Maybe I feel more comfortable talking about it because I've, I've got a label for it. So I couldn't say that I was having a massive issue with alcohol, but I knew that I drank too much. Well, now I know what I can say to describe what my behavior is. Yeah. I feel like I can, I can almost handle it or approach it in a much yeah, better manner. Psychologically, it feels better because a lot of people would judge you. And if you said, look, I think I'm developing a problem with alcohol, they would go, well, are you all right? You're not an alcoholic. Because it's that mm. standard statement they would say to you. And there's this stigma right there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What I'm working hard with, too, to break that stigma of alcoholism, what does it mean to people, you know? And it's important that you don't have to be drinking four bottles of wine a night to have a problem with it. You know, a couple of glasses of wine a night can be problematic for a lot of people because it affects your sleep, your mental health, because the anxiety. And then the, being reliant on it's depressing as well, because, you know, when I was drinking, I hated myself because I'm quite a proud person. And it's like, why am I reliant on this thing? Do you know, why can't I not drink? And that used to get me really, really down that something had control of me. And that's why I compare it to like, 
an abusive relationship because mm. there are people in there that in those relationships that feel they can't get out because of the consequences. So sort of to, to look to, to round things up a bit, because I do think that we've between us sort of between my experiences and your your obviously advice, we, we've put quite a lot out there now for people to to be able to connect and understand that maybe they have a name now for what they're going through. But what is your best advice for anyone who is listening to this and thinking, okay, I fall into this category. I would like to do something about it. Best advice to approach it? Well, as I said before, I think the best advice is to have a complete break because mm. I, I honestly don't think moderating works in the beginning because you just go straight back to it. There's any old excuse, as I explained earlier. So I think there's lots of support out there. There's coaches, there's online support, there's Facebook groups. I mean, I've got a private Facebook group and it's quite small, but we have regular Zoom meetings on a Monday. uh, And now there's someone in there that has one's Thursday afternoon as well, at one o'clock. And it's the connection because you don't feel alone. You know, a lot of people feel like they're on a desert island on their own and they don't They don't know where to turn because of the shame and the stigma around it. And I think a lot of it's mindset as well. You know, if you think, you know what, this isn't doing me any good now. I'm going to eat really well and I'm going to maybe do things like you do. You know, you say um, when you had your operation that you can go to the gym and it was really frustrating you. But Mm. find a hobby that you used to do. You know, I've worked with a couple of people that have turned a spare bedroom into like um, art studio and they're doing watercolours and that and they really get a lot and they look forward to doing it, you know. There's a lot of things you can do, but give yourself best chance possible, you know. And there's loads of podcasts out there. I won't keep mentioning my one. One for the road is the one to check out though. There's that one, but there's loads of other things, you know that you can listen to, educate yourself. My favourite book is this one by Professor David Nutt, and it's called Drink, and it's the science of alcohol and your health, and you can learn so much about it. Any education is really good. And talk to your friends about it, because there's a few occasions that that actually they'll be your ally, and they say, do you know what, I'm going to do that as well, because I feel like I've been drinking too much. Yeah. And then instead of meeting to the pub for a drink, you're meeting for a coffee and then going for a walk. Go to the theatre, go to the cinema, keep busy during your opening hours. We've all got different opening hours, but say you again, half five till half eight, in that three-hour slot, just make sure you're keeping busy. At the best as well, you can go and have a really hot bath, wax some magnesium bath salts in there, that'd be really good for your sleep. Light some candles, listen to a calm app or something. But you're away from the environment again then, in the bedroom. Get stuck into a box set, start one of them, so that diverts your brain. Or download your favorite playlist right so put 20 of your favorite bangers on your playlist and when you go out for a walk you know you can hear your favorite tunes and that cheer you up that get your dopamine up but also it diverts your mind away from having a drink and the longer you go on the more you get used to it so you start to break the habit the cravings balance out your blood sugar levels because that's really really important so regular eating throughout the day stuff like that in your opinion Would you say that for someone who is in the category of a grey area drinker, if they are to completely abstain from alcohol and then slowly reintroduce with moderation, do you think that that is achievable or do you think that chances are they'll probably end up back in the same cycle again eventually? I think the chances are probably 99.99% that they would. I don't like being drunk, though. I don't enjoy being drunk. I, I Genuinely, I've never enjoyed being drunk. I hate that feeling of out of control. So it's a hard one for me because I do drink more alcohol than I should, but I never drink to the stage of being drunk. So therefore, you think, well, is it an issue? Is it an issue? Because I'm not getting drunk. So, and that's where it's really... You know, that's probably the the real sticking point for me, as it would be for a lot of women. Well, I, I just think you're justifying your own drinking, to be honest, because if you're saying you drink a bottle of wine and a couple of whiskeys, right? I don't now. I only ever have two glasses yeah. of wine now, and, and I've not changed that. And if I started drinking more than that, then I would have to completely stop again and catch yeah. myself. But I also think that I'm able to to catch myself whereas not everyone is able to catch themselves is that every day it is every well probably five days a week yeah at least well let's see if you can cut it down a bit more on that and then you can prove to me that you can moderate 
<laughs> You'll be checking in on me now in our in our weekly I'll be meeting. I'll you at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> it's a hard one, but but I, I'm really grateful for you coming on and chatting with me today about it because it's just like I said, it's educating people and giving a lot of my listeners out there a name for the category that they're falling into. And when you've actually got a label that you can put on something, I feel like it sits a lot more comfortably, and you have a much better understanding of it. So then, you know, whether and and for anyone out there who is listening to this whether you do decide you want to do something to change it or not at least by listening to the show and by your advice Dave it's giving you you listeners an opportunity to potentially change it up if that's the route that you decide to take yeah and and just having this conversation if it just makes someone think about their relationship with it you know that's something and that's why it's always worth doing these things it doesn't have to be a podcast that at the end of it you're like that's it I'm ending it but it's having a conversation where it can make you at least start the process of thinking. And it might be cutting down in a week. It might be not drinking indoors. Do you know? That's mm. another way around. You know, there's loads of things you can do to improve it. But it's making people think. And that's what our both our working friendship and, and obviously now our friendship that has built whilst we've been working together. That is what you have done for me is you have made me stop and think. You have made me readdress my behavior and my relationship with alcohol substantially. Do I think that I've absolutely nailed it? No. And like I like I've said earlier, do I think I, I will ever absolutely nail it? Maybe not. It's got to be something that I want to do. Yeah. But it definitely does help having these chats and and hearing lots of different experiences, different opinions, different ways to kind of take, uh, you know, a more mindful approach to what you were doing to your body. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you so much again, mate, for hopping on. Honestly, I could chat to you all day about it. So, but then you might just keep overanalyzing me and then I'm just going to get even more. I'm I'm vulnerable enough as it is here. So... I think you've been very brave. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Well, thank you again. And it was great chatting, Dave. And thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in as always, guys. And I really hope that you enjoyed the show today and got to take something away from it. If you aren't already following, then make sure you click follow on whatever platform that you are listening on to be first in line for the next show drop, which will be in two weeks on a Thursday, as I mentioned at the start of the show. In the meantime, if you do want to connect with me, then you can find me on Instagram under Grown Up Hustle. And if you would like to connect with Dave, then you can find Dave on Instagram under Sober Dave. Dave's also got a website, which is davidwilsoncoaching.com. And you can also drop Dave an email if you would like to book a session with him for coaching. And his email is info at davidwilsoncoaching.com. As you can tell, being his producer, I've learned all of these off by heart now. So I'll be back in two weeks time, guys. And in the meantime, I hope you have a really great rest of your week.